It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Scott Fraunheim. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to do this with you. No, this is awesome. Um, You are doing some incredible things. Uh, incredible school that you're a part of, uh, but you're originally from New Jersey, right? I am, yeah. So I moved to Chicago about 12 years ago, originally from central Jersey, uh, about 45 minutes outside of New York City, uh, right in the middle of the state. Grew up there all my life. No, that's awesome. Um, and from quite uh, a big family too, right? I am, yes. I am one of seven. Uh, I'm the baby. Uh, so there's 16 years between me and the next, and those the, the, the other six are uh, all one year apart. So they had six kids in six years, and then 16 years later, I came along. My uh, brothers and sisters said I'm a, an oops, and my parents said I was a pleasant surprise. So th- there's that. You're a miracle, right? It's, uh, that's what you, it is. You, you were meant to be here. There you go. Yes. Um, what was that like, be having such a, uh, an age gap between your siblings? Yeah, so it was pretty cool. Uh, I had a bunch of different parents, which was hard. So they were all trying to discipline me and giving me a bunch of different miscues in the way that they were. Whoever was in charge of getting me out the school, uh, out to school that morning, was uh, in charge that day, and so I had to, I had to get used to that. But it's pretty cool having uh, some really great role models in my life and being able to look up to them all and watch them, you know, flourish into adults and and see them as mentors in my life. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean that's that's amazing. And are, are most uh, your family back in New Jersey? They are. Yep. Everyone's in New Jersey, you know, within 30, 45 minutes of each other. Uh, 33 nieces and nephews now at this point. And Holy so, smokes. Uh, the, next, the next group of legacy in the Fraunheim family is continuing to, to grow up. So they live up to the, uh, you know, the stereotypes of Catholic. That's right. Catholic family. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, both, uh, both my parents are one of 11. And, you know, same thing, Catholic, you know, just, I guess they didn't have TV. It wasn't a part of their, right, their right. equation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your journey to you know to get to Chicago because I know that you, you mentioned that you had gone to school for sports management, right? That's right. And yeah, so what 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 was the motivation? What was the inspiration behind uh, you know choosing that career path before, at, at, in school? Yeah. So growing up, I uh, watched my dad uh, as an educator, athletic director, head football coach, uh, teacher. Uh, vice principal for 52 years, same Catholic school, same office, same parking spot for 52 <sighs> years. Uh, we lived on campus. Uh, so I was always the last one to school and the principal was always mad that I was late because I lived on campus. Uh, but I watched him uh, and I watched him transform community through tradition uh, and relationships and, and community. Uh, and I kind of always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to follow in his footsteps, but I fought it as a, as a young adult and as a teenager and then a high schooler and college student uh, and went to school for sports management and figured that I would be really excited about the events side of the work and really thinking about, um, you know, organizational structures within events and sports. And so after I graduated from college, I then had my aha moment that I wanted to be a teacher uh, and I wanted to be in education. And so uh, I just had to go through that process, I think, to understand that and realize it. Uh, I started substitute teaching uh, and fell in love with with teaching. and that's what led me to Chicago, knowing that I wanted to teach in an urban area and making sure that I was making a difference in a community. Uh, and I moved to Chicago after a weekend visit uh, one summer uh, where I got really excited about coming here. I spent the weekend having a ton of fun down on the lake and across the city. Um, like just visiting a friend? Yep, the, yep night, visiting night. a friend. Uh, changed my flight on Sunday night because I found a job, a teaching job on Craigslist. <laughs> uh, went that's and bought amazing. a suit. 
interviewed for the job that uh, Monday morning, got the job Monday afternoon, flew oh, home, wow. told my entire family that uh, I was ready to make a move to Chicago and go be a teacher, uh, which shocked them, but it was important for me uh, to make, make the move. Yeah, no, I mean, wow. well, first of all, it says something about the, you know, the university you went to that the teachers obviously had an impact on you, you know, to, to make you want to go into the, to the teaching field. I mean, I know you grew up in it, right? But it seems like you fought a little bit. Um, wh- so when, when you got the job here, was that, uh, wh- where was the job at? What was the school at? Yeah, so I started teaching um, at Passages Charter School on the north side of Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. I met some incredible people uh, and had the opportunities to continue to grow in my career um, pretty quickly, which mm-hmm. was humbling and, and, and gratifying and uh, had a lot of mentors and role models in my life that I instantly met uh, here in Ch- Chicago to help me you know, think about what my path would be in education. Um, quickly became a dean of students at our Bucktown campus. Wow. Um, from there, did some special education work uh, across various of our campuses, um, and then was offered a principal position. Uh, I was a principal of our West Belden campus on the west side of Chicago in Belmont Cragen for four years, where we transform learning with a personalized learning mindset. Uh, and then most recently, over the past two years, was asked to be the CEO of our growing organization, which is something I'm incredibly proud of. Uh, and again, humbled and honored to be the proud CEO of Distinctive Schools now. That's amazing. So, when I, I mean, forgive my ignorance, but when I think of CEO, I think of a company, right? And, and when you say CEO of a school, that, that you know, to me, I, I like, I don't know what to think of that, right? Um, what is the, I guess, the role of a CEO versus like the role of a principal or, or, or a superintendent, right? Um, yeah, tell me, tell me the difference between like CPS and distinctive school, I guess. Sure. Yeah. So charter schools were founded in the late ni- uh, in the late nineties. Also uh, oh, recently. Yeah. So nineteen ninety seven was like the first charter school, uh, and charters were intended in the beginning of their creation to be a competition to the local district to improve performance for kids. Uh, by also providing choice and equity and access for students and parents to make decisions based on, um, you know, what school is best for them. Uh, and so charters have done that since, you know, uh, the early 2000s and in our case. private? Uh, no, public schools. Oh, yep. okay. So wow. uh, we are a nonprofit public entity, uh, and so we provide management services to schools. So we run the academics, the finances, the strategy, the um, operations, all the day-to-day in and out of a school. Uh, and now we have nine campuses you know, across Chicago and Metro Detroit, uh, 4,000 students, 400 kids. So you would, you know, like a CEO role in a charter school management organization to a superintendent, uh, a lot more autonomy and flexibility uh, to iterate for kids and for families based on needs every single day outside of a larger bureaucracy. That's amazing. And, and one of the things that you had talked about before was that you actually sought out a position where you could impact uh, underserved communities, right? Where, where did that uh, desire come from? Where, you know, what was burning inside you? Where did that come from that, that you wanted to do that? Yeah, my, um, my experience as a learner and, and through my education uh, was very a, a disengaging experience. I, I did not have a very engaging experience. I wasn't excited about learning. Um, you know, I went through the motions of that. I think when I think about our historically marginalized communities, um, that is, uh, there's a double emphasis there for me in wanting to make sure that I am giving back in my life and making sure that I'm paying forward the experiences that I've had and trying to make them better for those that um, that need it. Uh, and so I've committed my life's work to making sure that we're serving, you know, historically marginalized communities. That's the vision and the mission of our organization now, uh, to give back to communities that need better access to a more innovative, culture-first, equity-driven uh, learning experience where we can provide that. 
Wow. That's, uh, I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a big task, right? Yes. But it seems like you guys are, are on the right path. Um, and I'm just so proud to, to be able to share your story, but also to be a part of what you're doing, right? And in, in, in terms of the mentorship that we talked about and everything else. Um, Chicago, you, you mentioned to me, too, that you had this, like, this calling almost to, to be here, right? Take me through that uh, when you came down here and then the feelings you had, because you had an easier opportunity to go to New York, but you said that just wasn't for you, right? Yeah, I um, I left New Jersey to to do me. Uh, I knew I needed to go do me and um, and have new opportunities and new experiences in life that uh, could help me define who I was as a person, my identity. Um, coming to Chicago opened all of those doors for me, and the friendships that I made instantly, uh, the experiences I had in the city. I feel like it's a community that is a collaborative community with folks coming together to do right, the right things uh, and to be the best city in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I feel like that motivation and that inspiration came to me uh, you know, instantly when I moved here. Uh, I realized that I was running a little bit from my own identity crisis of who I was and uh, coming out as a gay male uh, in a very religious, conservative family. Right. Um, I instantly had their support, but I needed to come do something new to be able to identify that for myself. Uh, and so I'm grateful for those opportunities, but coming to Chicago really opened the door for me to have a new fresh start and to be me uh, as a person, but also as a professional uh, and as a uh, uh, a person coming out into the world as a as a gay male in a in a brand new city that was welcoming and warm and inclusive and where I felt at home. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things that, that you brought up was that um, you didn't actually come out to to your parents, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I thought that was hilarious. But you got you got to share that. <laughs> I convinced my sister, uh, my middle sister, uh, I've got a great close relationship with to do it. I think after a christening back home in New Jersey via the phone, I think she was on the front porch and I was like, can you just please tell everyone for me? And I'm going to turn my phone off and run away right now until you're done. Text me when you're done. Uh, and she did. I, I owe her to that to this day. I probably needed to do it myself. But uh, the way my family responded was incredibly, uh, incredibly supportive. I remember my dad, after my sister told him, he sent me an email on the subject line. It said, no matter what, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and when I opened it, I, I get emotional every time thinking about it. But when I opened the subject of the email, or the body of the email, it said, uh, no matter what, we'll still love you. Uh, and we love you today even more than ever. Wow. Well, it seemed like great parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that whole journey just needed to happen for me, I think, looking back. Uh, Do you feel like that was the biggest catalyst in leaving, um, you know, Jersey? The fact that that identity or, or you know, as you say, doing you, but was it more just that? I think it was a, an opportunity to go to a city where I could have new experiences and meet new people and, and truly feel like there was an inclusive nature yeah. uh, for me to, to even, you know, peel that piece of the onion back. Yeah. Uh, I think I met incredible people, like I said, professional mentors, friends still to this day that helped me on that journey. Yeah. Um, but I, I came to Chicago to teach and to be part of a city and to have a lot of fun in a city. And I think all of that happened concurrently. Um, but really, really proud of being in a city where I could give back and, and feel part of a community. Absolutely. No, no, no. And, and to me, Chicago is everything. I mean, obviously, it's in our name. It's what we do. But um, there's just something I feel like if we could figure a few things out, right, and, and tweak it and make it that it, it's uh, make it a better place, that it's a model that can be followed by other cities, by other communities, um, because we do have that eclectic mix, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 100%. I feel like Chicago is an incredible place. I feel like we've got a lot of all the right components. I think 
coming together to use uh, the innovation that's driven here and the, and the community that's driven here to really be a catalyst for, for the country and for the world. I think that's important. I think Chicago gets a bad rap sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Chicago gets a bad rap for crime and violence, which is absolutely present. Uh, but there's also a story to be told about the, the change that's happening here and the equity focus that's happening here and the community from businesses to individuals, um, you know, coming together to make things better for kids and for families and for communities across our city. Yeah, for sure. And now, you know, in, in the communities that you're in now, what, what are the biggest challenges? And, you know, it's, it's a twofold question, right? What are the biggest challenges you face? And, you know, what as a community can we do to help alleviate some of those issues? Yeah, so I think, you know, we strive every single day to provide a personalized learning opportunity for our students. So empathy interviews, making sure that we're driving our own professional development and our curriculum planning in response to student needs. Uh, We don't believe that we should be doing things to staff and to students. Culture is really at the heart of everything that we do with a focus on, like I said, equity, culture, and innovation, you know, being our, our driving forces. And so in doing that, we're really able to prioritize the needs of our community. I will say as we work with our community, we are identifying limited access to various things. So when we think about mentorship support, or we think about college access and understanding, or we think about creating multiple career paths for folks that may not be interested in in a college pathway, um, that access is very limited, and there's so much available to us in Chicago. And so how do we bridge the gap between access and opportunity to those uh, you know, individuals or organizations or businesses to really bring light to our students so that they can see a future for themselves that's beyond the K-12 continuum? Uh, and so we're excited about starting to think about how we do that. Uh, I also think uh, you know, our families need additional access to healthcare uh, and to additional accesses to resources that can be wraparound services. So, how do we become community hubs for our families um, with access to healthcare, with access to digital literacy skills, with access to job searches? Uh, and so, we're really trying to be the community hub in every community that we serve. Yeah, no, that's great. And your mission is incredible. Um, for for and one of the things that we had talked about before was you know, the, the people that uh, apply to be featured on the Face Chicago business that they inevitably always say they want to mentor students, right? But it seems to be, for me, a challenge to understand that that relationship in terms of how we keep those kids safe, right? The, the biggest thing. What would, it, what would that look like in terms of if someone wanted to mentor and they're interested in doing so? You know, take me through what you kind of explained, um, yeah, that, that, that date, right? What that looks like when you have all those people in the breakout rooms and such. Yeah, so I think a really cool opportunity to bridge business and schools is to give access to kids, uh, letting them have mentors that have a leadership story and a life story to be able to share with our students uh, and our, with our families. Um, students that may be interested in a specific industry or a specific job or profession, how do they get inspired? How do they get motivated? How do they hear the story of those that have tried things before them and failed or yeah. tried things before them and succeeded? Um, I'm really excited about the opportunity to match a student that has an interest in digital production with a digital production specialist or somebody that's really excited about being a realtor one day, getting to go you know, on a showing with a realtor, uh, internships, externships, um, just, just being able to connect with somebody at a, at a leadership and a mentor level, but also see and feel the tactical and technical aspects of the work or the experiences that led to the work. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And so if, if people do want to get involved, right, outside of just the people that are in the Face Chicago business, but those that are listening, how, how would they get involved in that? Yeah, so uh, distinctiveschools.org is our organization's website. Um, we have an executive director of partnerships that's really thinking through after-school programming, summer programming, programming within our school day. Uh, to really think about the professional and educational match of where we want to go uh, in being a personalized learning 
uh, model for our students and really elevating them to be able to find pathways based on their own interests, still getting the academic support, still getting the social emotional learning support, uh, but really helping them get motivated and inspired by what's next. Yeah. And one of the things that, uh, you know, I mentioned to you and, and again, not knowing how else to say it, but just to say it is I, I didn't feel like I took full advantage of what school was. Right. I wasn't a great student. And now later in life that I'm hearing a lot of other uh, educators and, and, and professionals saying that, you know, education isn't the end all be all right. That experience is, is the most important thing that employers are looking for. How, how do you leverage those things in what you do and, and the difference between your organization or the school and, and other schools or traditional schools? Sure. So we um, believe that we are providing our students access to uh, a very rigorous educational experience. So we're going to provide grade level standards and we're going to hold the bar high for our students to be successful uh, to get to college. And if students choose to get to college, we are going to make sure they are absolutely 100% prepared for that. We do realize that students have choices uh, and that college is not the pathway and the option for all students. And so we also want to provide them uh, experiences like we're talking about where they can access um, you know, different markets or dis- different industries uh, with training programs or you know, short two-year periods of time for education to be able to enter one of those professions. Uh, and so as we expand to our high school model at our Art in Motion campus, uh, we're really thinking about those pathways uh, and helping students be able to identify them based on their own interests, but then helping them uh, by giving them the resources, the skills, the access to go explore those opportunities beyond. Uh, we do have mentoring in our schools right now, uh, and so each student is paired with a teacher. That teacher helps them identify and access different learning experiences uh, that they may be interested in outside of the traditional academic work. Uh, but we've also implemented project-based learning. So you know, in a math course, students being able to identify retail space on Michigan Avenue to make you know uh-huh. relevant connections back to their city uh, in the you know the math calculations of square footage, you know, to be able to identify a storefront and partnerships with hotels in, in the hospitality industry is one example of, of a fun project that some of our math teachers led in eighth grade. Uh, and getting students out of the classroom to go see those life experiences, I think, is, is really powerful and motivating. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can see how it wouldn't be, you know. Um, for me, I guess psychologically growing up in that space where from an education standpoint that I didn't do well, I felt like a failure, you know, that I... Yeah, I was not a good student, and being told I wasn't a good student was going to translate into not having success in life, right? Do you notice a psychological shift in students that you work with now because of, yeah, it's just totally different. It's a, it's a, a, to me, it sounds like a paradigm shift that I wouldn't even know how to think about that as a student, right? Do you, do you notice the difference between this program versus, you know, maybe the beginning of your career when, when you started teaching? We do. Yes. We, uh, when I started teaching, it was a very traditional model, desks and rows, teachers doing all of the heavy cognitive lift and teaching, uh, students really not, you know, um, supported to engage with, with one another, you know, really asked to just be very compliant, you know, walking on tape in the hallways to transition silence at all times. And we've blown that up. Um, and so we are all about providing a personalized experience that's rooted in interest and rooted in relationship and culture. And so we cannot get students to be engaged if we don't have a strong relationship with them. Uh, and so how do we get to know them better? How do we get to know our families better through empathy interviews and listening conferences and then how do we build personalized learning plans that are based on a student's needs, where they are you know, academically, where they are socially and emotionally, and then how do we build them up with the most pride and excitement to be who they are? Uh, and that's what I'm so proud of our teachers and our organization over the past decade. We're celebrating 10 years right now um, for completely transforming and redesigning our, our learning approaches for our students to make it more fun and exciting because that's what it should be. 
Wow, that's amazing. And, you know, obviously we want to to contribute and support in any way we can. But um, apart from just the mentorship, you know, if someone says, you know, that this sounds amazing, I, I want to be involved in some capacity, I want to support, donate, what, you know, what would that look like for those individuals? Yeah, so as a nonprofit organization, uh, we have nine campuses, like I said, uh, 4,000 students. We're constantly looking for um, folks that are interested in, in donating and, yeah. and supporting our work and making sure that we're supplementing, uh, you know, our, our direct public funding so that we can also supplement additional resources and programs for our students, um, opportunities to engage in our classrooms and our buildings where our doors are wide open. We want to be true collaborators and trailblazers and first adopters. Uh, so folks that have ideas or interesting programs or resources to support our students, we are, we're always ears open. Uh, and we want to be good sharers. We want to continue to share the great work that we're happening, uh, that's happening across our campuses and in our classrooms and be a catalyst for other charter public private schools uh, in a collaborative way because we're all doing the same work for kids and it's important that we all come together for kids it's, it's our future right i mean <laughs> we have it no is. other choice that's right um what does the future look like for distinctive schools what does the future look like for scott yeah so um like i said i had the proud privilege of two years ago taking over as the ceo um half and of which is covid right yeah, yeah. <laughs> one year full of covid uh grateful to the founders of our organization for you know entrusting me and our leadership team now to carry the torch forward um, like I mentioned, the past year has been COVID. Uh, it's been a really hard time. Uh, we've been really proud of how we, you know, flipped on a dime that Thursday night last March uh, when we when we found out we were all going virtual. Yeah. Uh, having the personalized learning program that we've had for the past ten years, we had the digital fluency, we had the devices, we were ready to to flip. So I'm, I'm wow. really proud of our team and the way that we responded to this crisis and this pandemic. Uh, but it has elevated even more of injustice across our communities uh, and access to healthcare and, and fear and distrust in the medical system and, and the vaccine and really trying to help our teachers and our students and our families really come out of this COVID pandemic in a positive way as we look to hope and light and optimism. And so that's what we're focused on today. Uh, but as we think about the future, we're really excited about expanding seats in our schools uh, and adding new schools to our portfolio so that we can continue to impact students with, uh, with our program and our model and our very, very faithful and committed and passionate educators across our distinctive schools network. Uh, and so we're excited to grow and we're excited to think about what the next 10 years look like. Oh, that's exciting. Very, very exciting. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned the COVID part and being ready in the technology. Um, I don't think anyone was ready from the psychological standpoint, right? How, right. How, how did you guys handle that? I mean, you know, what, what are some of the things that, that you had to um, consider when, when focusing on the individual and not so much the technology? Yeah. So right away, when we when we transformed, um, you know, to a remote virtual environment, we realized the amount of culture shifts that were going to be needed. We yeah. knew we knew how to operate with one another. We had a lot of trust with each other, but not in the virtual setting. Uh, and so we paid attention to making sure that everyone's basic needs were met. Uh, we knew that some of our students and families needed a lot of extra support. Um, there was, um, you know, food deserts in many places when things were shutting down and closing down. And so we went to make sure that everyone had what they needed. Um, did they have access to, you know, a roof over the head? Did they have access to food every day? And so we prioritized those things. And I remember saying to our teachers and to our staff that first week in March, we're going to do the best we can in all the ways that we can. And we just all have to be okay with that. Uh, and so we may have to put learning aside for a couple of weeks. We may need to, wow. you know, focus on making sure the social emotional uh, wellness of our own staff and our own leaders and our, you know, own colleagues are okay. 
as we lift up our students every morning to make sure that they feel supported um, and our families have the resources that they need. So we did a lot of priorities around um, you know, fundraising and development for all things food, uh, making sure that we were serving food every single day out of our schools wow. even though we were remote. Uh, and then over the past couple of months, we've just been building upon that as our foundation. So making sure everybody's okay. Um, there's been a lot of emotions, a lot of tension, a lot of stress. Um, for our kids, for our teachers, for our leaders, and so making sure that we're providing the space for folks to take a break when they need to, tap out when they need to, and then you know come back stronger for kids when they're able to. That's incredible. I'm I'm truly honored to to know you. Uh, it's amazing to hear what you and your team are doing, have accomplished so far, and in, in the future ahead. Uh, for Thank those you. that are that are listening, um, if this speaks to you, if if you feel like you know you want to get involved, you want to contribute. Uh, really to our future, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. Uh, I would encourage you to contact Scott. Fill out the form below. He'll get it directly. Uh, but Scott, you know, just can't thank you enough for what you do, uh, for being here, for sharing your story, but also, you know, bringing awareness to our situation as, as people, right, in our community. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it is a team effort across our Distinctive Schools organization. And I'm proud to be part of it alongside my team. And I appreciate this opportunity with you, Tony, to share our story. Ah, we're honored. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you. Thank you.